So what happens when you start hearing dead people and they start calling you collect? Because we're talking movies. We're talking The Black Phone, starring Ethan Hawke, Mason Thames, and Madeline McGraw, based on the short story of the same name, which was written by Joe Hill, screenplay by Robert Cargill, and Scott Dickerson, who also directed. I won't make you do anything that you don't want to do. Except to record this podcast with me. Jesus! What the fuck? Hey everybody and welcome to this week's episode of How'd You Like That Movie? We're going to be talking about the 2022 release, The Black Phone, yet another make-a-gazillion-dollar film from Blumhouse Studios. Scott, take us away. Okay, um, before we start, I just want to say I like me those new Blumhouse picture promo logo that that started with this film. That was fucking good. What do you mean? Well, you know how when the movie opens and usually each production company has like their little like logo that pops up this one is the new blumhouse one where it started like with michael myers in the woods and then it like starts going into a house and you see all the Bloomhouse characters so you saw the paranormal activity. oh you yes, saw the yes, yes, yes 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 instead yeah. of just the blue blumhouse logo or whatever with like yeah i think before it used to be just like inside a room and it was like a dead girl a rocking chair and then it would flip over to like Bloomhouse. but yeah this one i really really enjoyed it i was like you, the Fuck. logo you're like yeah you're like i was sold on the logo you're like actually the film awful logo fantastic Oscar-winning logo performance from Blumhouse. And that's the end of our episode. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I did. I'm like, they had me at the logo. I'm like, boom, done. <laughs> you're, but, such a, you're such a fucking uh, product whore, man. You're like, they had me at the uh, logo. Uh, I just, I had to buy the product. Oh, uh, I am a fucking easy mark. <laughs> 100%. Uh, in terms of the film itself, I extremely enjoyed it. Oh, I thought you were going to be like, I didn't like the dad. He wasn't a good father. He wasn't a loving father until near the end. So I just I just couldn't give it my full attention because he was just not parenting very well. I, I don't agree with his parenting skills. No, uh, I, I believe I told you the story before. Um, for my fifth wedding anniversary, we do, we went down to Vegas. Oh, I'm interested to see where this fucking goes. <laughs> so we went clearly down to I Vegas. wasn't paying attention when you told me this fucking story. Yeah, I, we, we went to Vegas to celebrate and... One night, I think it was at One the Bellagio. Yeah, I, 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 I'm trying to remember the whole the the casino ride. It was either it's the only Bellagio. a 30 minute podcast, Scott. So you're gonna have yeah, to yeah don't worry. Faster. But anyways, so uh, me and my buddy and my wife, we're all, and all of us, we're all playing the one dollar craps table. Behind us is the thousand dollar craps table, and on that craps table was the dad um of this movie oh Mr. you mean uh you mean jeremy davis yeah oh cool. him and a couple <laughs> other actors and i'm just like literally we're at the one dollar things and behind us is the thousands and we're just fucking watching them roll and roll and i'm like well there's one paycheck there's two paychecks there's three paychecks i'm like there's my fucking house <laughs> i was like just watching them all roll it on this craft you're table. like you're like he uh must have did pretty well in saving private ryan because he's just fucking rolling it away 
yeah it, it, it was fun to watch and, and that was the thing I, the whole time i'm like where do i know this guy from I, i'm like i know this person right but it took me a while to figure it out and then when i saw that i was just like hey it's the crap stable guy crap stable guy <laughs> uh actually i just want to quickly talk about jeremy davis uh so he plays the father terrence uh of the two children uh so we've been talking kind of like over the last couple episodes just about well and sometimes even in the off time the fact that we haven't done any Lars von Trier stuff because I don't know he's super violent super out there and uh he can be a bit of a problematic director but uh Davis has been in two of his films uh both The House That Jack Built which is supposedly like fucking ultra violent even by Lars von Trier's standards uh and a really really interesting Lars von Trier film called Dogville uh, if you haven't seen it, it's, it's, it's shot basically almost like on a stage, like, uh, where you're almost looking down. There's no set. There's just like lines on the ground as if you were doing like a stage play. And it's just supposed to be a representation of a town. Uh, very interesting, uh, directorial choice. Uh, it's, it's also stars Nicole Kidman, super intense film again, along the vein of Lars Venture. He's, I, um, Lars Venture is obviously did Antichrist and a bunch of extremely graphic other films um but davis is you're gonna go back into like we've been talking about porn movies a lot in the porn industry and i thought you were gonna throw me in with like listen this guy was in the industry but they had to kick him out because of how big it was like he was distracted oh no no that was fucking so that is that's lars van trier working with uh green goblin there what's his name um William Dafoe. William Dafoe. Uh, so actually, I will sidebar for a sec. So there's a scene in Antichrist where you see like a penis going in a vajayjay. And <laughs> they actually had to use a stunt cock because Dafoe is actually so big <laughs> that Lars Van Tri- So the movie is already crazy graphic and crazy shit. And he thought that William Dafoe's overly large penis was going to be too much of a distraction. The fact that there is a penis is already a conversation. He's like, I don't know. We got to bring in a smaller penis for you. So, yeah. Anyway, interesting sidebar. Uh, but Jeremy Davis is also in a, a film I really, really love called Secretary with uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal and um, ah, James Spader. James Spader. Yeah. And that's such a great film, man. It's so good. Okay. I recommend everybody watch that film. So is this the Jeremy Davis episode, or are we gonna fucking talk about the black phone? He's in the fucking movie. You and you even you wanted you want to tell your stupid crap story. Yeah, that yeah. Took five fucking yeah, minutes. Yeah, so I'm gonna actually see, talk about movie see, shit. It's only a thirty minute podcast. You you're the one that brought that up. And and, in, I, and, and I here comes the end music, bucket. and that's it. That's all we have today for Scott. Anyway, go ahead, Scott. Tell us about the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, personally, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, going in, like I who did you watch it with? Oh man, I brought all my kids and my niece it's, and nephew. Wait, doesn't this have like an NC seventeen rating or an R rating or something? No, it's fucking PG. Well, in Canada, it's fourteen A, oh, so okay. it's fucking PG thirteen everywhere else. Oh, okay, right. That's what I thought. I was like, okay, we can bring it, so it's not, it's not going to be too bad. But um, yeah, they all kind of enjoyed it. Uh, not. There, there wasn't much jump scares in this film, but would you I say? Thought, would you agree that so the jump scares are rare, but when they come, they work? Yes, I think when we were discussing before, fuck um, blue velvet and Lynch's use of shadows, mm-hmm. like 
Deckerson here, he used that like extreme because it's such a small room, but it's very poorly lit when they do have the scenes where, you know, spoilers stuff, happens. Uh, but it's yeah. Like you see it in the trailers, but when you see the dead kids, right? Like they're kind of coming out of the shadows and then they fade back into, like they just melt back into the shadows and then it, it worked perfectly on it um, in terms of, I really like the fucking Ethan Hawke mask Hawk. too. And Ethan Hawke plays that role so well. And I mean, the fact that he's wearing a mask makes it much harder to, to act. But just the, the way his voice changes from like the soft, almost like childlike voice to almost like, like, get over here, like gruff and angry and... Like when he's sitting in the chair with like his shirt open, but just like the bottom half of the mask on, like or oh. fucking Saturday night at the Langford house. <laughs> <laughs> the minute I saw that, I'm like, I can literally see Chris. Like, I can see him in you know what's that? Uh, what's that Rihanna song? Uh, Sticks and stones don't hurt me, but whips and chains excite me. Uh, I can see Chris just lying, shirt off, paddle in hands. Holding the belt, just be like, I'm ready to get whipped. Are you going to be a naughty boy? Are you a naughty boy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, Ethan Hawke brings like uh such a such a like a like a weighted performance to this. Um, and you know Ethan Hawke has been around forever, right? Like you know going back to (laughs) the was it the Explorers? I think is the first thing like I know him from when I was a kid which is also a great little kids movie from back in the day. Uh, and then he had like a, a big a career through Hollywood. And then he sort of kind of like disappeared for a bit. And now he's back on the radar. Like he's been in a ton of stuff lately. Um, obviously he was in boyhood. We did an episode on that. You can definitely check that out. Uh, he's worked with this director before on sinister, but two films that I really like Ethan Hawke in is uh, before the devil knows you're dead with Marissa Torme and Philip Seymour Hoffman, RIP brother, and uh, Born to Bleed Blue, where he plays Chet Baker, uh, one of my favorite, you know, jazz musicians. Uh, and he just, it is such a transformative role. Like he already kind of looks a bit like Chet Baker, kind of gaunt and stuff. And uh, yeah, he really takes on that role and makes it his own, even though he's playing like a real character. It's, it's a really solid biopic, lots of heroin usage and stuff like that. It's gritty as fuck. That's the kind of biopics that are dope. Um, no, so another Saturday night at the Langford House. <laughs> but uh, for me, the well, we discussed it with the Boyhood uh, episode. But yeah, like Dead Poets Society, mm-hmm. I really liked him in that fucking Alive, which I still think is one of the fucking scariest movies ever made. You're like, uh, if I went down, whose ass would I eat? yeah i'd be like oh my god that's almost like it's literally why i'm trying to lose as much weight right so i'm like (laughs) people look at me like listen like no one has time for ribs like no one wants to kill this guy for ribs that uh that that's almost like a log line to to a porno movie you know what i mean big asses asses to eat alive eat them alive (laughs) go down (laughs) you just start making your next short film it's already in my head right now it's already (laughs) but um the other thing is i like kind of well in terms of his character too like i was not surprised but i thought at one point they were gonna go kind of with um 
a fucking uh, split kind of thing. I thought maybe the masks were representative of like a different personality. Oh, because he has, he has kind of different versions of masks, right? As well as totally yeah. different masks. Oh, that's interesting. And yeah, his yeah. demeanor was different with each mask, right? When the one where you saw his face, but you only see the mouth kind of thing like he he was more childlike more playful he was like i just want to stare at you i just wanted to look at you kind of thing right and then when he has the horn one he's like kind of like the trickster right like hey i'm gonna leave this door open you kind of do whatever right is that because he but... was horny oh god <laughs> dad jokes at 11 o'clock Dad jokes? That's fucking pedophilia jokes. Like, oh, it's, oh, it's diff, diff, different households, man. Different households. <laughs> sure enough. Um, but one, I will say, in terms of the kids, like I think uh, Madeline McGraw, who played Gwen, mm. like stole this fucking movie. So she's got uh, she's she's got a solid acting background, you know, both in TV and film. She was in American Psycho, oh, American Psycho, American Sniper, The Mandela Effect. Uh, Ant-Man and Wasp. She's done a bunch of voice work. Uh, and then her big TV stuff that I found was she's doing uh, Secrets of Sulphur Springs. I guess she's a reoccurring character on that. And a, another show called Outcast. Yes. Um, I figured you uh, might uh, actually know those shows because they're like kids. Well, shows. So I think, yeah. Well, Outcast isn't a fucking kid show. It's about people getting possessed by demons. Oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's from the, it's like, you know, once The Walking Dead went big, they just grabbed any property of the writer and started developing those. I only saw the first season of Outcast. I've never seen anything else. But, um, but yeah, like, I thought she, like, her delivery, her line, but also, like, what what you're saying with your quotes when she was just like, fuck Jesus, like, what the fuck, Jesus? <laughs> as soon as I heard that quote, I'm like, Oh, I want that quote. That's that's the quote, man. <laughs> Fuck Jesus. <laughs> like, like so exhausted with God. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. come on. Just get just give me the sign. But yeah, I think all in all, like now with yourself, did you did you enjoy it or so actually uh pri I primarily did. So yes, I enjoyed this movie. Actually recommended it. Uh recommend it. And I know normally we try not to like social media about films until we cover them but i had to like i was on twitter and i had to throw in so two things about this film right off the top the editing and the cinematography are like a thing of beauty like they the dop brett uh oh jesus polish last name jet jet kowitz uh so he's the dop on the scream that came out in 2022 he's working on scream six uh ready or not one i'm definitely going to check out is called them that follow uh, basically it's got like Olivia Coleman and a bunch of other actors in it. And it basically takes place in the South with like those Christian revival church that do snake handling. Uh, and he's done two episodes of stranger things. The cinematography is fucking awesome. Like awesome. Like I so appreciated the use of great, uh, scene work and blocking and, you know, it wasn't just like, okay, we're going to have like a nice stable camera. And by stable, I mean stable camera work, not the camera itself is stable. Like they actually made like artistic choices, let alone the setting of it in the 70s, giving it that like almost like it was shot in the 70s, sometimes using almost like eight millimeter, you know, film stock aesthetic. 
Uh, I thought, like, again, it is a beautiful film to watch. And not in the way that Cherry is just, like, overindulgent. Like, it works. It's done well. Um, and the editor, Frederick Throval, uh, also worked on Sinister. So you've got basically the same director. So, I mean, Scott D- uh, Derrickson, Doctor Strange, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, Sinister. He's got the same editor from Sinister. And Ethan Hawke also was in Sinister, right? So you got those guys coming back. But... Uh, Frederick worked on Promising Young Woman, and that's what he got uh, his Oscar nomination for, his BAFTA nomination. So it's fucking awesome. He's also the editor of Taken. So from an aesthetic, loved it. The jump scares that came, I mean, I'm a fucking bitch when it comes to this stuff. So I was like, eh. uh, it definitely scared me when it needed to. My only criticisms were actually in the beginning of the film. Uh, the line delivery, and this is like super nitpicky. Uh, the line delivery was a bit on top of each other at points. And I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not because they're, I originally thought, oh, cause they're child actors. Maybe they don't have a lot of time experience, but even Ma- Mason Thames who plays Finn, he's been on, he's on Walker and for all mankind, he's got enough TV time. Um, that's a direct, that that was the director. I don't know why he didn't like slow those line deliveries. They just felt a bit on top of each other. I also didn't (laughs) like, um, Hey, can I interject? Yeah, go ahead, man. Cause like, I'll just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I understand what you're saying. And I thought that too, but then I started thinking and I literally started looking at everybody I went to that fucking movie with, which was all my kids. <laughs> and I'm like, neither one of them are going to let the other one finish a fucking sentence. Right. Okay, they maybe. always want to be, they always want to be the la- the one with the final word. So like literally watching that, I'm like, yeah, I get it. Right. I'm like, cause kids like, it's just fucking, I'm going to get to the point. Like, that's it kind of thing. They're always going to go on top of each other, always talk over each other. Cause in reality, that's what Scott bring in the dad that's... perspective. Okay. So maybe that's, maybe you're right there. Maybe you're right there. Um, but I actually did not enjoy, I think Jeremy Davis could have done that role. Uh, I did not think he was directed. Well, I did not believe him in his scenes uh, when he was being super aggro with his daughter Uh, And I'm not going to get into like, you know, just, you know, the yelling, the whole thing. I just never really believed him. I felt like his character, the, his acting was not fantastic. Um, But, but realistically, just, if you're having any issues at the beginning, just settle in, just ride that out for a couple minutes, because then you're going to get into some fucking great stuff. You know what I mean? Um, Okay. Wait, I'm going to say another one. Go. So this, I'm going to have to spoil a little bit. Uh, so we're going to do some spoilers, Chris, do a countdown and then I'll talk. What do you want me to count so, down? What number? Like to five. And then like fast forward, like five, five two minutes. four, three, two, one. Okay. If you don't want to listen to this. So the fact that Gwen can see visions and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I have a theory, which will technically set up for the sequel of this movie. Eventually, oh, interesting. Cause I, I was wondering how they were going to get to a sequel for this sucker. Okay. Ready? Yep. Go. Jeremy Davis character also can see dead people and hear dead people. And that's why he's an alcoholic because it lost his wife so much. So Mm -hmm. he's trying to drown all that stuff down. So he doesn't have to like feel it anymore. Oh, almost like self-medicating. Yeah. And then boom sequel, they both get caught and he's going to have to save the day. And then 
since you're using the same uh, editor as Taken, Liam Neeson shows up and is like, I don't know who you are, but I got to go save these people that conceive dead people. It's while he drinks. It's while Jeremy Davis <laughs> drinks coffee. He's like, I don't know if you know who I am, but I have a particular set of skills. <laughs> Once I'm sober. <laughs> the Black Phone on. Taken Edition. All right. Because it was the same thing they did. Um, they did uh, tease it as well that Ethan's Hawks character could hear the phone as well. That's right. He also had the powers, but he just constantly was ignoring it. Yeah, and his brother did a lot of cocaine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love seeing them all. Saturday spun out. night at the Langford House. <laughs> uh, so okay, so here's a great quote from Lee Greenbelt uh, from Entertainment Weekly. I'm sure you've heard of Entertainment Weekly, Scott. Um, basic plot, basic plot mechanic, <laughs> basic plot mechanics don't often add up in the details, but high voltage jump scares abound and severely severe, several baroquely composed frames are generally nightmare fodder. So yeah, there's definitely some fucking plot holes. There's definitely some things that you're like, why didn't the kid just do this? Or why didn't the detective do that? Or I don't know, look for a dude with a fucking black van. Just ignore that shit. <laughs> just just remember you're there to be entertained. Um, like I said, the shot composition is fucking epic. Um, I actually do yeah. want to talk about... So this is based on a short story. Well, it is called The Black Phone by Joe Hill, whose last name is actually King, as in yeah, Stephen, King's, Stephen son. King's fucking son. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right. Uh, it's from an anthology called 20th Century Ghosts. Have you ever read that? I mean, you're kind of into no. King and Stephen. No, King. I've read some Joe Hill. Um, I've read Horns. Is it I've different read... than uh, Hank Hill? <laughs> or Henry Hill? <laughs> what was the fucking point of asking me the question if you're just going to okay, make okay, like, okay, stupid okay. You jokes? Okay, okay, okay. You can talk. You can talk. Stupid jokes. Yeah, I've read Horns. I've read uh, Nosferatu, um, which is a TV show on AMC now. Um is Horns yeah, the same it, one as like Kevin Smith? Oh no, that's Tusk. That's Tusk. That's Tusk. Yeah, Horns is um, a guy who wakes up and he starts growing devil horns, and his uh, his girlfriend was killed, and he tries to figure out who killed her. Wait, so that's not the one with Daniel Radcliffe, is it? Yes, they did make a movie. Oh, okay, but I read the book. I didn't watch the movie. Um. But yeah, all in all, he he is a talent. And um, go ahead now. You that's it. That, that's the, yeah, yeah. The, the, the inflection no, was like you. You. Ter- he's you a totally... talent, and like I'm gonna keep saying anything, and you just stop talking. Um, yeah, because I totally lost my train of thought because you kept on interrupting me with your stupid joke, and I kept on hearing like thinking about Henry Hill now, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, you can check out our Goodfellas episode, <laughs> and Ray Liotta did just pass away. Who played Henry Hill? Um, so one of the things I liked about this, and so you haven't, so you haven't read the short story version of this, no. Because no, there's a lot of like progressive elements that are just kind of there, or, or I see them as being there without them being like really, you know, hammered on. So, the in my opinion, the lead detective he's black, uh, strong female protagonist for the most part. Like the daughter is like she's fucking kickass, man. And there's some great fight scenes in this, man. Like kids kicking fucking ass, man. It was like kickass, but better. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, like I said, you got strong female protagonist. You've, like, got a, you know, a black police officer as your, like, your lead detective. 
Uh, yeah, I just, but what yeah, happens? What do you like, mean? What happens? That, that, you know how you're saying like plot holes. Yeah. Like, in reality, at what point the the detectives were like, "Shit, just let's wait for this kid to have another dream," because <laughs> it, it was literally the, just them sitting there, like, "Huh, huh," and then coming to her, like, "Hey." Did you did you did you find anything? Did you got anything you dream yet? About anything? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna come to your dad's house. Be like, hey, what did she dream about yesterday? Did she tell you? Does she have a dream journal? <laughs> can can we look at it? Um yeah. So this, I mean, so we, I kind of opened with this, the fact that this is a Blumhouse production. These guys are just like a fucking cash machine. So this film specifically has already done 82 million against an 18 million dollar budget, but I mean. Paranormal Activity, which is probably like their biggest, just like that first one, $15,000 budget, $193 million at the box office. I'm like, fuck, man. I've, I've worked on short films that have that budget. You know what I mean? Like, that's fucking crazy money, man. And uh, it's doing well with like the critics and the audience. Like, the critics are giving it an 83% on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's got an 89 with the audience. So, I don't know, man. I read some like, cre- like critiques of it. And I'm like, it's weird. Even as someone like, uh, who's super critical about film, I'm like, it's a fucking horror movie. Like, let's let's like keep things in the realm of like re- like importance here. Like, I don't know. Okay. Go ahead. On, on that note, realm of importance. X versus Black Phone. Which one are you taking? X got more boobies. And Kid Kenny's deck. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually Kid Uncutty. I actually, well, that's actually a really good comparison because they both have great cinematics. They're both set in the 70s. And and they both have, like, I know you say, I always say Aramba homages to other things. Like, this film is pretty much like a love letter kind of to Stephen King. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like, there's the scene where she's riding the bike, and she's literally fucking Georgie from It. Like, she's in the yellow. That's, okay, that's with... what I thought, too. Like, that outfit, and, and and because of him with the mask, he gives me that kind of Pennywise vibe. You know what I mean? Right. Well, especially, like, you know, Pennywise would always give the balloons, right? And yes. searching for the one with the black balloons instead of the red balloons. That's right. right. That's right. That's right. And it, it felt like The Shining as well. Yeah. And not only, like, Shining, you had even had like a little like fucking stand by me right oh, Instead maybe. Of the, yeah, group, yeah, yeah. the group of friends are technically it's one alive kid and like four dead kids yeah and they're you know trying to get this kid to actually survive right yeah to me like just as a like a film it felt like a cross between the shining and poltergeist with like kind of like like i said like the it vibes it's good man like i said i highly recommend it I recommend seeing this in the theater. I mean, it will translate to your like smaller screen, but I mean, jump scary, beautifully shot film like this, watch it in a movie theater where you can have that experience. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's good for theaters. Go out, spend your money, you know, yeah. help, help them. Yeah, exactly that. And you know, when you go, you get to, to laugh at the, the people like Chris that scream. During yeah. the, during I didn't the scream. Scare. I just made this face. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, we're radio, so. <laughs> Except if you're like to watch and you're watching us on YouTube right now. Uh, do you got anything else you want to say, Scott? No, no. I definitely recommend it. Go watch it. And uh, I always look forward to what Scott Dickerson does. Like, 
he is one of the guys like especially in the horror genre that i like enjoying his movies give me give us uh some other of his horror stuff that you like you fucking named almost all of them like sinister which <laughs> technically is the scariest movie of all time based off of jump scare ratio and heart metrics oh really yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah, and that one, Sinister did three million. Uh, was made on a three million dollar budget and did eighty seven at the box office. So again, fucking Blumhouse just being like, ah, show me the money, show me the money. Yeah, he even did, uh, and you know, you're probably gonna make fun of me, but I like it. And a little bit of Can Can, he did the 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 remake of the day the the day the Earth stood still with Keanu Reeves. Yes, he did. He, You're talking you know, about Scott so well. Dickerson or Derrickson. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He directed that. Was it any good? Um, yeah, I liked it. Right. It, like, I, I don't, I don't think it did well in theaters, but I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Deliver us from evil is the one I haven't watched. And Emily, Emily Rose, that one was fucking really good. I definitely recommend, like, if you guys are looking for a good fucking horror movie, I definitely recommend The Exorcism of Emily Rose. If I read somewhere too with this guy, he's super Catholic, and I could be wrong, but he's so all the, a lot of his films have like, you know, possession and stuff. So they literally make up words because they don't want to, you know, actually have correct Latin and stuff in case. And they actually do summon a demon. And you're Catholic, so is that why you make up words too? Yeah, our whole fucking religion is based off stuff that's made up. Like, come on. And that is our wrap for the day. Please like and subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends. If you want to get a hold of us, reach us at the www.howdyoulikethatmovie.com. aesthetic too it looks so good that you're i'm definitely for me it looks so good i was willing to be like eh that's fine like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense but fuck it like i'm really enjoying watching this thing you know what i mean it's like a really hot stripper that can't really dance you're like i'm not really here for the dancing anyway Uh, I was going to use like a David Lynch movie where, you know, everything shot while it looks good, but you're like, I have no idea what's fucking going on here. I don't even know if he does, though. But as we've <laughs> talked about this multiple times, like, yeah, I kind of want this thing here. So just put it there. Production by Rod Shaver, Fader Monkey Productions.